following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hitting, yet completely trivial, football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, well, well to the broken helmet. Let's rock. Hey, coming to you live on tape with a snap for Sunday, April 30th, 2023, where the carnage is over. It's done. All the damage has been done. And it leads many an NFL fan to think, I love the smell of night pump in the morning. And speaking of aftermath... How about those NFL playoffs, huh? Oh, shut up. Oh, stop. I actually Chris. can't believe what I just oh, said. Oh, come on. Everybody, stop. I've been telling you that these freaking NHL playoffs are the best. They're the best. They are red hot right now. If you're a sports fan, you're not watching the NHL playoffs, you don't know what you're missing. Because it has just been a surefire fucking entertainment throughout. You got the Ranger Devils going to a Game 7 now. Seattle up 2-1 on Colorado. Colorado in a Game 7 right now, as I record. Colorado actually tied it up at 2, but it was offside, called back. I think it's the second time in two games it's happened to them. The Panthers, the Florida Panthers, down 3-1 in their series against the Boston Bruins. Came back and upset those said Bruins who just had a record, historical record for wins and points in a season. And while I'd like to say that that was like a legendary professional sports playoff upset, the Bruins actually became the second President's Trophy winner in five years to lose in the first round. So, I, you know, when it comes down to professional sports playoffs, it's really the, the championships that are remembered for the upsets. There's been so many like first-round things throughout all the different leagues where it's just like, oh, man, they lost. Yeah, all right, you know. Yeah, I'm just thinking about some off the top of my head. I, you know, Dikembe Mutombo, they beat the Sonics, I think, right? Denver beat the Sonics. Mutombo's laying on his back here. You know, you got this one here where the Panthers upset the, uh, the Bruins. I think there's a couple as a Devils fan. I think we got knocked out early, you know, back in our heyday. Uh, you know, we're fighting back here now uh, against the Rangers. We were down 2 nothing, and then went up 3-2, and now it's 3-3. So, anyway, uh, point being is that, uh, you know, you'd like to say it's a historic, legendary, memorable loss. But, uh, you know, 20 years from now, I don't think anybody's ever going to remember it, you know. So, but anyway, um, back to the gridiron where the draft this year had records of its own being broken. Record set for quarterbacks drafted, 14 in total. You want to go down those real quick. We had the number one in two picks in the draft. Number one going to Carolina, Bryce Young. Number two, C.J. Stroud. Then number four was Anthony Richardson. I mean, it just didn't stop. So in the first four picks, you had three quarterbacks all going to be the man leading their team going forward unless they end up being busts. You, you never know. You know, wide receivers and quarterbacks now have become kind of coin flips. 
right? So, but you will have Bryce Young in Carolina, C.J. Stroud in Houston, and then Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis. And then we had to wait till round two, obviously. The Will Levitts. <laughs> yeah. That's right, motherfucker. I got it right this time. I did Levis. I did. I, I was going with uh, Levi, uh, but Levis is what it is. Anyway, so he sits there. Everybody goes Google Gaga over his sister and his girlfriend. Uh, he doesn't get picked up in round one, and then he leaves, goes back home, and gets picked up immediately in round two. Right? His uh, sister and girlfriend ended up being uh, Zach Wilson's mom from two years ago. Right? So, uh, but anyway, so he gets picked up by Tennessee. So obviously, the heir apparent there to Tannehill, and obviously I just a big whiffaroo on Malik Willis' uh, draft last year, right? If you're going to go back into the well and go for Levis here. But, I mean, you know, quarterbacks, quarterbacks, you can flip them for picks more so than any other uh, position. So you put Levis and Tannehill and Willis all in camp together, let them beat each other up put on their best game tape, and then you can ship that around next year, year after, and see if anybody wants, you know, your your leftovers. Right? Unlike the Jets who are, are stuck with Wilson because he's just terrible and there's plenty of game tape to show you that he's not good. So, anyway. Um, so, then uh, we go to the third round. Hooker ends up going to the Lions. So, they slept. People thought they might jump on something at some point with the picks that they had for the quarterback position, that is. Jump on something for the quarterback position. Well, anyway, Hooker ends up sliding and they pounce on him in round three. I got a Lion. Uh, Lion, what do you call it? Pounce Lion, you know. Uh, I'm playing word games here. So, uh, after that, we go round four. Jake Hayner, uh, I'd probably pronounce that wrong. Uh, he goes to the Saints from Fresno. The Rams take Stetson Bennett from Georgia. Then in the same round, fourth, these are all Hayner, Bennett, and then Aiden O'Connell from Purdue goes to the Raiders. All three of those were in the fourth round. You get Clayton Toon going to Arizona. And then you have the Shocker. I mean, this one just Crazy to me, Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback from UCLA, going to the Browns. You know, spending a fifth-round pick when they don't have that many picks to begin with on a quarterback after they just spent all that capital to get uh, what's his face? Uh, you know, the, the Robin, Mr. Wubbentug, Deshaun Watson, Mr. Randy Watson, Deshaun Watson. Sexual chocolate. They spend all that money to get him on money, but the money and picks. And then they turn around and they piss away a fifth rounder on Dorian Thompson Robinson. So, anyway, uh, back in the fifth round, Sean Clifford from Penn State goes to the Packers. Jaron Hall from BYU goes to the Vikings. Sixth round. I was looking at this guy and hoping that the Giants might jump on him just because he's huge. He's 6'6", 230, but of course the fucking Eagles. Had a monster draft, and we'll get to that in a second. They jump up in the sixth round and take Tanner McGee, the quarterback from Stanford, and then we finish off with... Max Dugan, quarterback from TCU, going to the Chargers in round seven. So there you go. 14 quarterbacks picked in this draft. That was a record. Also a record was trades during the NFL draft. Yes, this 
year saw tons of trades. It was a record number. And obviously the first one that comes to mind is the third pick of the draft where the Texans, who obviously think they're in a much better position than they are, said, you know what? We like C.J. Stroud, but we also like Will Anderson. So we're going to trade with the Cardinals to jump up and take them both, right? And I'm all for it, all for it. But if you think about the way that this works now, is that you just gave up a bunch of picks, I'll get to them in a second, to draft a quarterback and an edge, both of who are going to demand top money. This is like the Lions back in the early 2000s when they drafted uh, Harrington and Charlie Rogers. Was it Charlie Rogers? It, it was like two or three wide receivers, a running back, and, and Harrington, all like within two years. And it was like it, they're facing the same thing that ultimately the Bengals are going to face here. It's like, how do you pay all of them? You know, you can't have all quarterbacks and all skill position guys drafted around the same time. I mean, I guess you can. You know, I mean, we've talked about it here before that the salary cap is, you know, very gray. But here, you know, just kind of head-scratching that you're going to end up sending all these picks to the Cardinals, grab Will Anderson, um, when your team just isn't that good. You know, it's just not. So what do they end up giving? They end up sending to the Cardinals their 12th pick, right? So they swap 12 and 3. They also send their second rounder this year, so that one's gone. That's in the wind. And then they end up sending a first and a third next year. So ultimately, out of pocket, they end up sending this year's second plus next year's first and third. And then they do a swap of picks in the first round this year. It's just a, a steep price to pay for a team that just simply isn't that good right now. Isn't that good? But, uh, you know, all the power to them. You know, they're, they're doing everything different there in uh, in Houston, along with going with a head coach that has been, a, you know, a coordinator and a coach for like a hot second, too. So, D'Amico Ryans is now, uh, you know, manning the ship there. And so I think that's two manning the ships in this podcast. Good for me. Um, so anyway, they're going to do everything different, including uh, wasting their draft capital. So uh, now as for the teams that have garnished the most talk, uh, you know, we start obviously with the Philadelphia Bulldogs. You know, last year it was Davis and Dean. This year it was Carter, Smith, and Ringo. But they weren't done. No, they weren't. More Georgia to come. Give you one, give you two, give you three. You know what? Why don't we go and make a trade as well? And we'll just bring DeAndre Swift. So we'll just pack more Georgia on our, our on our roster here. And not only that, it's funny when you look at their roster. You know, they do it right. Now, I can't remember if when Jimmy Johnson made, I think... He made the Herschel trade, got all the picks, and then he invested all the picks. I can't remember everybody in that pick. But, like, Jimmy came right from college, and he was just like, I'm going to grab the best players that I can, right? I, I mean, you know, go to the top programs, grab the best players, don't outthink it, just grab, you know, the studs. And then when you go to, like, the Eagles roster, they have, like, all Georgia, and then they also have Alabama guys too, right? Um, Dickinson, uh, I think, is uh, the lineman. He, he's from Alabama. Um, uh, Devontae Smith from Alabama as well. So, you know, it's like, let's grab Georgia and Alabama, you know, I mean, just 
just take all the good talent from all the best teams. Why wouldn't you? So anyway, the, the Georgia Bulldogs had a monster draft this year. Obviously, A plus is across the board for the way that they did it. And you know, grabbing Carter was just—I mean, just a sickening blow. And then obviously there is there was a, a clip, I guess. Micah Parsons was must have been he was with that guy Lefko, who I remember I, I guess he's been around for quite a while, but I used to listen to his podcast because he used to have Warren Sharp on exclusively. So the Lefko podcast with Warren Sharp before, you know, Warren I, I mean Warren was already on a, a rocket ship, but uh and if you're not familiar with Warren Sharp, I mean you, you should be, probably everybody is, so I'm not telling anybody. But he basically big time statistician uh, came up with all kinds of theology about how you should go about playing the game of football, look through kind of a sabermetric lens, and used to come out with these, you know, annual guides. I think I have like 2018 and 2019. I used to buy them. You get them through Amazon, still get them, but, uh, you know, it, analytical nature. And I guess he works heavily with a couple of teams, providing some kind of insight. I think he works with the Ravens, or he didn't say who it is, but I think the Ravens are one of them. But, uh, you know, whoever it might be, maybe the Eagles too, but whatever it is. So, uh, Lefko uh, had him on his show, and now he has gone on. I think he does, uh, Sharp does his own podcast, but he's also partnered up with Bill Simmons' Ringer Podcast Network. So, he's there now too. He's been, you know, kind of traveled around, but now he's kind of settled in because he's a big-time name. And uh, I, th- I think, who who's sponsoring his show now? I think now, BetMGM. BetMGM is uh, sponsoring one of the... Uh, Warren Sharp shows. But anyway, so Lefko had Micah Parsons on, and I guess it might have been a Philadelphia-based thing. But anyway, Parsons lost his mind when Philadelphia grabbed Carter because he just couldn't believe that he just fell to that team who just went to the Super Bowl and has a great roster and hasn't really lost all that much, right? So uh, anyway, Bulldogs had a great draft. Uh, The Detroit Campbells, like, what the hell are we doing here? Right? What is going on? I... I am not a fan of the Detroit Lions. Uh, I they have been a member club that has been in the lower ranks for eons, and I feel like I was a huge Barry Sanders fan as a kid. Loved him. If you ever have a chance to watch Barry Sanders play, a chance to watch his YouTube highlights, and you have not, and you're not familiar with him, go do it. He was. Best I've ever seen do it. Now, granted, you know, like, Sweetness was awesome. There's other, you know, quote, running backs that have been solid. But to me, it's just a pure running back. I never saw anybody do what Sanders was able to do. And I, I would have loved to have seen him on a good team rather than those Wayne Fonts teams and all the other junk that they fucking throw him with to the point that he just got tired of it and he fucking retired, which was a shame. But, um... Anyway, uh, point being, uh, Barry Sanders, what was the point that I was talking Oh, the Detroit Lions, right? So I've not been a fan of this team because they bring along Campbell and they stink the entire first half of the year, right? You watch Hard Knock and you said, this can't be real, right? Like, there is not a coach here that has any brain cells working for them right now. I mean, it was Campbell, it was... Um, Ah, oh, shit, their D coordinator. Uh, the, the Jet. Um, 
Uh, I can't think of it off off the hand now. But uh, he was a Jet. He was a D-backs coach. Now he's a defensive coordinator. I'll think of it in a second. But anyway, you're watching this, and it was and then uh, was Deuce Staley, their running backs coach, or another ex-player, Deuce McAllister, Deuce Staley. One of them is, is the running backs coach. And you're watching this. The only one that seems to have something up top is their offensive coordinator, who seems to be a rising star, and you would imagine that at some point in the future is going to end up getting himself a head coaching job. But I, as I watched the hard knock, I just this there's no way this is going to work. And then, sure enough, in the beh- first half of the season, they just tanked. And then all of a sudden, they caught fire, and they made a, a couple of changes, and away they went. And so they got crazy accolades, and everybody was scared of them going in, into the, uh, you know, into the playoffs. They had made it. Aaron Glenn, that's it. Aaron Glenn. Okay. So um, I knew it was going to cut. Kind of, but Aaron Glenn, yeah. And, and the I forget the offensive coordinator's uh, name off the, right now, and I'll search it later. But anyway, I do. Know Aaron Glenn was the one I was thinking of for defense coordinator. So anyway. Um, back to the Lions. So then they have this resurgence in the second half of last year, and they go into this draft, and you're like, okay, maybe you know they can you know piece things together here. They know what they're doing. They're going to show me up. And so what ends up happening is that in their first pick, they grab Jameer Gibbs. Like what? You you just grabbed Montgomery. Swift is on the roster. It is probably one of the last things you need. Now, and now when they grabbed Montgomery and based on kind of the clips that you saw in, uh, what do you call it, Hard Knocks last last year, because they were on DeAndre Swift's ass all the time. And you could tell they just didn't like the way that he played. Right? Kind of like bounced outside instead of running inside. I made bad reads, whatever. So you thought his time was, you know, on the clock when they picked up Montgomery because Montgomery is a pretty significant back. Then when they picked up Gibbs, you're like, okay, somebody's out. It's not Montgomery. They just brought him in. So now it's got to be Swift. But if that was the case, wouldn't you have gotten rid of Swift before you got Gibbs and seen if you could have gotten something? Now, I think they ended up doing it intraday. So they ended up getting like a fourth or something. So you inv- you just pissed away like a first-round pick, you know, and you got like a four and something in, in return. Like the, the logic of it just doesn't make sense. And like why couldn't you stuck with Swift, giving him one more year, and invested the 12th pick somewhere else on your team? Like I, just like you basically pissed away like a one, getting a four in return, you know, when you end up doing the Swift trade. I just didn't understand it. They had two ones, mind you. And then the second one, the second one pick was pick 18. They picked Jack Campbell from Iowa, the inside linebacker. Like, are you kidding me? Now, what's funny about that is that in the next round, they end up grabbing a tight end, Sam Laporta, over the Notre Dame, Notre Dame tight end, right? So they they end up grabbing Laporta, Meyer, Michael Meyer, the, the Michael Meyer, uh, the Notre Dame tight end goes the very next pick to the Raiders, but in that first round, if you really liked tight ends, right, you had one of two picks, you could have grabbed like everybody's premier number one, and that was the Dalton Kincaid kid out of Utah. Like, why didn't you grab him and then grab another linebacker somewhere down the road? You know, I, I just, the logic of this team under Campbell doesn't make any sense to me. 
Makes no sense. Now, then on the back end, they end up making some of it up because they end up getting Brian Branch from Alabama. They end up getting Hendon Hooker, the quarterback, uh, in the third round as well. Um, But again, he just head-scratching that this team that seems to have, you know, built a little something just can't capitalize on it. In my opinion, you never know any of this shit until you actually put it on the field and see what works. But the Lions, to me, was very head-scratching. Although, if you go look at other people's draft grades, they graded them very highly. So, you know, to each their own. I mean, that is the one thing about the draft that you will learn if you follow it long enough and you read enough of the results is that none of these grades or anything matter. Like, if you go to Pro Football Focus this year and you look, I think all 75% of the teams this year have, like, a B to an A+. And I would say of those 75, like 65 have A grades. It was like everybody fucking smoked it. And the teams that didn't smoke it were teams like, you know, the Dolphins, who didn't have any picks because they got caught in the tampering thing with Peyton and uh, and Brady. Or, um, I don't know, I, another just insert team that doesn't have a lot of draft picks, right? They, they got shitty grades. Um, but anyway, I, the camp, I think Detroit, they gave them a B plus. PFF. Uh, but anyway, I it was a head-scratcher for me. Uh, I, teams that had singular picks or, you know, certain picks that were like, wow, they, they're the, that's what you're talking about. The Baltimore Ravens. They get Jackson signed going into the draft, right? And that was all set up by Hertz getting his money and then Jackson gets a little bit more, right? No guarantees, uh, which you're not going to get. And I heard somebody on Sirius XM, it was, you know, caller shows no offense to callers, I guess I, I would love to have them because I would hate, I hate just talking to myself all the goddamn time. But caller shows usually end up being kind of junky because the calls that come in are usually just like all over the board and they're just people that are. I just want to hear themselves on the radio. But I think it was Sunday getting coffee after church. I'm sitting there and I'm listening to uh, Sirius. Was it... Was it NFL? It might have been NFL radio on Sirius. And some guy calls in, or it might have been Mad Dog. And some guy calls in and he's talking about Lamar Jackson. And he, and he turned it into like shitting on the NFL because Lamar Jackson should have gotten paid a full guaranteed contract. And the only reason the NFL didn't want to do it is because they're all about control. They're not about winning. And that's why, you know, losing teams that should have invested phone calls into Lamar Jackson you know, never did and never even made a play and somebody should have given the guaranteed money. I Look, the guaranteed money's never happening, okay? It's not happening until, like, fiscally it makes sense. And investing 200 and something million dollars in a single player with the, with the physical risk factors that there are in the NFL is just crazy. The, the Deshaun Watson contract is crazy. It really is. Now, would it will it pay out over time if he never gets hurt and he plays it out? Yeah, probably, I guess. But you can't write contracts and run your organizations like that. You can't do it. Because the minute that it blows up, you're fucked. Right? So the Jets make this move with Rodgers, and they're toying around with a contract that has such bloated figures, it's ridiculous. Right, and so next year, if I remember the number right, 
they reorganized his contract, and I guess they you know might have kicked it out. Maybe they used a void year if they hadn't hit up to five years on that contract, whatever was left to spread it out. But next year, I think he's making $107 million. $107 million. Now imagine it's in preseason next year. It's all good to go. They have a good year this year. They make it to like the AFC Conference Championships. Let's give them something really high, right? Maybe they don't get out of it. Maybe they get to it. And he comes back and then he blows his knee out in in preseason. You're out $107 million. You're done. Like, it's just done. So the guaranteed contract, and that's with a contract that wasn't guaranteed. That's just them trying to figure out how to work these, you know, the roster bonuses and, and the salary and, and a crazy contract and work it out. Imagine if it was all guaranteed. I, you know, it's just a nightmare. And that's why teams won't do it. They'll never do it. The The Watson thing was such an outlier, it was ridiculous. And in my personal opinion, you'll never see it. And I think this was proof that you won't see it because none of the teams even entertained it. And also, some of it was a little screwy because once Hurt signed his contract, Jackson was in there shortly thereafter. And it was almost as though they knew that this was getting done. They just needed something to be set. Maybe they knew the Hertz thing was on the burner and were like, let's get him established and then, then we'll con- we'll work the negotiation out. But, I, you know, whether or not any of that talk about Jackson demanding a trade and getting the hell out of there was true or not true, who the hell knows. But anyway, before the draft starts, they sign him, they get him in there, they already have Odell, and then they turn around and they grab Zay Flowers. I mean, kudos. Kudos to you for addressing what you need. So they put, you know, the first or second, depending on what you want to think, uh, wide receiver off the board, and they put him in their starting lineup. So now they'll throw him in there with Bateman and uh, and OBJ. Uh, who else is there? Duvernay, uh, right? He's in there. And you know, backfield has uh, Gus the Bus, and they also have... Uh, um, what the hell is his name that uh, blew his knee out? Uh, I don't know. Fantasy stud. Everybody grabs him, and then he always blows his knee out. He tried to come back last year. Come on, somebody. Anyway, um, well, I'll look that one up because I'm going to be uh, – J.K. Dobbins. Jesus. Come on, Rich. Piece that shit together. So J.K. Dobbins is what I was thinking of there. So uh, solid pick in that regard. Um you know, and thinking in, in speaking of QBs as we did before, that's probably the next big chunk that you're talking about. Carolina gets theirs, Texans got theirs, as did the Indianapolis Colts. Now, people loved Indy's draft this year. Uh, PFF went, you know, gaga, Google gaga over uh, Google gaga. I think it's the second time I used that one this time. Uh, went nutso over Indianapolis uh, draft. The Colts draft, I think at one point I read one of their tweets that said it might be the most athletic draft ever. I mean, maybe. So they did have a solid draft. They got Richardson. Some people say he's a project. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But he is going to most likely, I would imagine, start um, right away. Or if not, you know, soon they're into it. Uh, they ended up grabbing Julius Brents from Kansas State, he, uh, cornerback. They got uh, they got Josh Downs from North Carolina, the wide receiver. Um, let's see some other uh, like skill position guys. Will Mallory from Miami, the tight end. They grabbed Evan Hull from uh, Northwestern, running back. Um, and then uh, you know 
elsewhere. They got picked up offensive tackle. This guy Freeland from BYU. Um, North, another Northwestern. They got grabbed two Northwestern guys. The other one was a DN. They grabbed him in the fourth round. I'm not even going to try to do his name. Uh, his last name is a, a Deb Aware. A Deb Aware. So anyway, people love this. I haven't seen one bad knock post article about Indianapolis draft. So they did get their quarterback, and they seem to have gotten a lot of good players to complement the rest of their team. The Giants also got a huge round of applause for their draft. Big fans all over the internet. Me, I don't know. I'm a Giant fan, so I'm a little biased. Uh, I like what they pulled. I did not necessarily like the approach. I definitely don't like giving up draft picks to move up one spot. I probably would have rather have sat there in the first round and then taken whatever came to me. And if Banks was gone, then you could have turned around, maybe grabbed Joey Porter Jr. I, you know, but whatever. They really liked Deontay Banks. They wanted to grab him. And then elsewhere, they ended up filling like starter positions, which is why everybody complimented them for filling in needs and with stellar, you know, players that probably maybe the best center in the draft in John Michael Schmitz. So they get Deontay Banks, cornerback, he'll be a starter. John Michael Schmitz, center, he'll be a starter. Uh, they went out, grabbed Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. So they got a wide receiver. So right there in rounds one, two, and three, they got three players that are most likely going to play. Uh, you know, start possibly right or play play a lot or even start and then if you want to continue on down then in the fifth round they grab Eric Gray the running back from Oklahoma so you know you want to know how the Saquon Barkley negotiations are going I'm not thinking that this is related to that but you know what a little insurance never hurts so you grab Eric Gray uh you know running back from Oklahoma and then it's like you know if we bump into some Barkley problems you know we'll throw Gray in there um, elsewhere, then they did a typical giant thing. They grabbed Trey Hawkins, the third from Old Dominion, a quarterback. I, I hadn't even heard that guy's name, um, before, uh, they picked him. And then they grabbed the D tackle from Oregon and a safety from Houston. So everybody loved the Giants draft specifically, I think for their first four picks, grabbing possibly three starters and a solid playing skill position backup. Uh, with the Oklahoma running back. So as for losers, I mean, look, I, I think the first one that comes to mind for me is the, the Detroit Lions with the way that they went about the draft. I know that I seem to be the minority because I read more good things than bad. Uh, I, the Falcons, you know, a running back, is that what you need right now? I mean, granted, look, the guy is awesome. Everybody has said that. But in the same breath, Bijan Robinson... I. A running back there that high at eight, I, you're just watching what happens with this approach in real time with Saquon Barkley. And I don't know why anybody would welcome that or want to place that same situation on their shoulders, especially a startup team. Great for fantasy. You'll draft a lot of these guys, but in regards to how that equates to a good football team, who knows? I I just, I don't see it. 
So um, that that's what they did with their first pick. Uh, where else did they go? Uh, the Falcons. I mean, that first pick alone to me is what did them in. But uh, I'll read you off the rest of what they grabbed. So Robinson, they grab with pick number eight. Uh, in the second round, they end up grabbing uh, Bergeron, the Syracuse offensive guard. Third round, they grab Zach Harrison, defensive end from Ohio State. Cornerback in the fourth round, and then safety offensive guard in the seventh round. But I mean, seventh round. Who who cares at that point, right? Like, no offense. I you know, I, I there's not a chance that could have played college football, much less get drafted in the seventh round of the NFL fucking draft. But proof is <laughs> the truth is that uh, well, the truth and the proof is that th- those players never really equate to all that much. So anyway, Atlanta to me was a head scratcher. Packers also a head scratcher. I you know this is how you want to fill your roster the year after you get rid of Rodgers. Right, this is the way that you want to do it. You know, you, you don't really get him offensive talent when he's begging and pleading for it, right? And so you need it now. You don't go with it for the first pick. You go for Lucas Van Ness, the D end out of Iowa, right? So you go on the defensive side of the ball. Well, your defense, which is what you pretty much kind of like locked in on over the past couple of years, and that's where you spent the 13th pick. So you get rid of Rodgers. You do this trade. Everybody pat you on the back for getting a first and flipping around and getting this 13th, and then you spend it on Lucas Van Ness, right? And then you come back in the next rounds, and this is what you do. Second round, you go tight end with Luke Musgrave. Then you go wide receiver with Jaden Reed from Michigan State, and then back to tight end with Tucker Craft. Like, what? You're going to go tight end, wide receiver, tight end. You know, that, I mean, okay. You know, if you're going to go a tight end or a wide receiver, why not spend the 13th one and get one of the best ones on the board at that point. There were 13, right? So did any wide receivers go before 13? I don't think that they did. Um, I think the only offense that went uh, was basically quarterbacks and then the two running backs, Robinson and Gibbs. So by the time that, if you want to go through it, uh, where are they? Yeah. So Gibbs had been the second running back. And those were the only offensive players taken when Van Ness went at 13. And so they could have had I, Smith uh, Njigba, I always pronounce, mispronounce his name, from Ohio State. Quinton Johnson, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison. They could have had Dalton Kincaid. They could have had any one of those guys. But they ended up deciding to go with Lucas Van Ness. And then on now in the next rounds is when they decided to go back. So I, I don't... Like, you couldn't have gotten a defensive player in the second round when where you grabbed Luke Musgrave? You know, I'm just trying to look at guys. Uh, Keon White, defensive end for Georgia Tech, went off the board uh, four picks after that. Uh, Keenan Benton from Wisconsin, defensive tackle, went at 18 in that same round. Uh, you got Jaden Reed right there, so that's a, a moot point. Um, you know, again, it's just the the thought process of how to build the roster, and it just doesn't make sense. Whether or not the players pan out is a whole different story. But I just think that some of these teams go about it in a really weird and bad way. I don't think they help themselves out at all. And for the Packers, I don't know if that was the way that I would have wanted to invest my picks would be going, uh, you know, a defensive end first, and then two of my next three picks would be tight ends. But whatever, to each team their own. Uh, and then I guess another 
team that I would qualify as a loser only because I just don't understand their fifth-round pick, and it's just head-scratching, is the Browns. You pick Dorian Thompson-Robinson in round five, and, I mean, you just spent all that draft capital and money to get Watson. I just don't get it. Now for the third now you didn't have picks, right? Because you gave them all away to get Watson. And then Tillman you grab in the third round. Then you go in the the lines for the next three picks. You know, uh Ica from Baylor, D tackle, Jones from Ohio State, offensive tackle, McGuire from Missouri, D end, and then you go back to quarterback. Like I mean, you literally had four picks before you grabbed the quarterback in this draft. There's nothing else that you wanted to grab. Uh, looking here at ESPN because that's where I'm ripping all the um, all the draft picks off, and I'm using their draft tracker. You know, they put needs on the ESPN tracker, and safety was one of them, right? Because over the past couple of years, they've lost out on some safeties there in the secondary that had bounced. You, you want to go in here in the fifth round. And let's go. Where's the uh, rounds here? Here we go. Fifth round. And we'll go to where they picked up uh, Thompson Robinson, which was pick six of that round, 140 overall. In that same round, a little later on, five picks later, you had back-to-back safeties taken with Jamie Robinson and Jordan Howden. Uh, Robinson from Florida State ended up going to the Carolina Panthers. And then Jordan Howden from Minnesota ended up going to the Saints is where they went. So, I don't know. You you want to invest in a backup quarterback instead of safeties, which you might be able to use better. So, that to me was a head-scratcher and, you know, would put them in the loser bracket for me. But, you know, all in all, an entertaining draft as they all are. I'm still kind of getting used to the prime time. I don't know how long have they been doing the prime time uh, draft now because I, I was never a draft Nick, but I used to love, love watching the Saturday, Sunday drafts. You know, you'd wake up. Uh, I was a kid uh, when I started watching the draft and I just, you know, sit in bed on a, on a Saturday or whatever, if it ended up sports or whatever. And how many whatevers can I use in one sense? And then just end up watching the draft and watch the tape. Use use the tape and watch back sometimes, which is kind of stupid, but uh, funny now looking back at it. And I always equate the draft to be a Saturday thing. Now they spread it out over three days, and it's fine, but it does take away a little bit from the, the second and third day. Because everybody's geeked up for the first day. It's on a Thursday night. It's prime time. You go out. Maybe you go to a bar. Maybe you have a draft party. Whatever you want to do for draft night. You do it on Thursday. And then Friday is kind of like, ah, you know, we did that last night. I don't want to do a second night. I don't want to do a second draft night. So people just go about doing their business. Now, I don't know. Maybe some diehard NFL towns. uh, The second night is colossal just as big as the first night I don't think so but for me by the time it's the second night I'm just kind of watching it on my phone or I've got it on my phone and uh, I'm picking up the picks and it's just kind of like oh that's what they did all right and then 
the third day just ends up being, it's kind of like baseball, right? You put it on in the background, you got background noise, because they're just cooking through the picks at that point. They're just like, yeah, we're done with the draft too, and we all want to get the fuck out of here. So now, you know, it's like pick is in, pick is in, pick is in, pick is in. You can't even keep up with the damn shit. So, uh, you know, the third day has just become a joke. So, uh, but whatever. It's fun nonetheless. It gives you something on that Thursday night. You get two prime time ad revenue generating uh, events, and then you have the Saturday to fill in. It was, oh, when I was watching ESPN, I who was hosting it on um, on Saturday? Uh, I wish I d- did a show with somebody. Maybe I could ask them. But Steve Levy, I think Steve Levy, and he was going down everybody that wasn't doing it anymore. And fucking Mel Kiper was still there, just grinding. But Todd McShay was not. He was gone. No time to say. So there you are, Mel Kuyper. You've been doing this forever. You were the only, you started this shit, right? I mean, Mel Kuyper was Mr. Draft, right? That was what he was. And then all of a sudden, McShay, Todd McShay came out of nowhere a couple of years ago. ESPN's like, yeah, you know what? We, we, you know, you're not going to be around here forever. So we want to, we got to prep the next guy. And then McShay's the one that ended up being on the A team. Kuyper's pushed back to the B team. And then, you know, McShay's the one that's getting off early, along with Booger McFarlane. Booger McFarlane! <laughs> that fucking guy! He's on your prime t- he's He's on your A-team talking about the draft, and then you let him get off? Oh, come on. That guy's got to be working every single day. God, you can barely get a, a sentence out without fucking it up. And then this is the guy that gets the, you know... He's on varsity. He, he's getting out early. And the best was when they were talking about... The Jets, when the Jets got pantsed by the uh, Patriots and the Patriots traded with the Steelers, they, whatever pick it was in the first round, so that the Steelers could grab the lineman. <laughs> Fucking Booger comes up there. You know what, guys? This is what I think they're going to do. They're going to end it. We got to start talking about defense. Defense is where we're going here. And. No, it was a fucking lineman. Everybody else on the goddamn program was like, Booger, really? What are you talking about? We're going to go lineman here. That, that's why they traded, because they want to get the guy that the Jets were going to get with the very, with the next pick. So that's why they traded up with the Patriots so that they could get him. They didn't trade up with him to grab the defensive guy, and they kind of talked it out. And I forget if it was Kuyper or McShay, but somebody was just like, yeah, no, knowing that the Jets are there and they want to grab the lineman, that, that's what this really smells like. And then Booger's just sitting there just like not talking. And then when I think when they finally came back to Booger, he just started talking about the lineman as though he had never said anything about defense uh, just a little like four minutes before that. So anyway, um, you know, it, it is funny to see these these teams as they go, and uh, they're grinding out toward the end there, and they have the BC squad. Although, you know, I still like him. I'm surprised he never got another shake or a chance at being a GM. Um, maybe it's by his choice because he does really work well in the camera, and I like him as an analyst. I People didn't like him on the Monday Night Broadcast, but Lance Reddick, I think, is awesome on television. And I could hear him speak continually, uh, you know, as, in, on any NFL broadcast because I just thoroughly enjoy him, and I, I respect the way that he goes about his business. Um, and it's just an entertaining listen. 
uh, right? And so I just I he was in contention, I think, for the Giants GM job, maybe with Shane, or maybe it was before that with Gettleman. I forget which round it was, but uh, I, I like the fact that he got included. He's never been included since, so obviously there's something there. You know, I guess they don't have enough faith in him for whatever reason, lack of experience, etc. But he landed in a spot that I think he works really well, and that is as an NFL insider for ESPN. And so it is a pleasure to listen to him. And he was grinding all three days, so he was there day three as well. So anyway, uh, you know, now I'm uh, just, uh, just shooting off at the lip here, no reason. So so let's uh, punch out for the day, and then I will talk to all you guys again, I guess, Monday night or, you know, Tuesday, whenever you guys listen, whatever. So uh, I hope your teams did well with your NFL draft picks. I hope somebody hit uh, something there. There was plenty of gambling to be done. I mean, maybe there was trade stuff. I ended up uh, not. I had an eh. I got nothing. I went with Richardson, but I went with Richardson 3 instead of 4. Uh, and I did Richardson with the Devils, which hit, so that would have been nice. It's just he went in the wrong spot, so I got zilch, zero, Donata. But I hope that you guys hit on whatever you bet on. So all the best. I will talk to you guys soon. Peace.